0: What's happening? Thanks for pushing play. Before we get into the episode, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcasting platform and please leave a five star rating and review. Let's get the show out to as many other cash flow veterans out there as possible. Those who are looking to secede from the current system and change their life one day at a time. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the cashflow veteran daily newsletter. You can find that at cashflowveteran.com and download my latest ebook. I love being able to bring on new sponsors and affiliates, and I'm especially excited to bring on this next one with TotGifts.com, Awares with a Purpose. And honestly, this is serving toddlers and the families uh, that they have for everything from color-changing notebooks uh, to touchless foam soap dispensers for the kids when they get all sticky. And you know, they just they just carry germs. It's, there's no way around it, to be honest. Um, you got everything, you know. Just to be able to be clean. There's crochet washcloths, and honestly, the one of the reasons why I'm so excited to bring this one on is because Layla was a guest on my show, and this is her 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 business and her mom's business, and it's just so cool to have uh, things for the toddlers in our lives, uh, for them to learn, to have activities to do, and all kinds of stuff. And you're supporting a a Dependent-owned business. You're supporting people who are part of the overall military family as well. When you're looking into something like this, so I highly recommend it. One of the cool things that they got right now is uh, free pocket soap. They actually have other dispensers and stuff for you. But if you ever wonder if you just need some soap, not necessarily stuff that's too fragrant or whatever the case might be, at uh, when you're out in public or you just need something to wash off while you're playing. Uh, out in the woods with the kids or you're on a playground or whatever the case might be or you need the children to, well, they have these little tiny pocket sheets that they have there for free that you just take one out, you throw it on your hand, put some water on it, and you clean. It's a one-time use for that type of thing, and you can toss it away and you can take it on the go. What a cool idea that is. So with that, I, I really want you guys to go check these, uh, check this website out. Um, you can get there by going through my link at cashflowveteran.com t G. That's cashflowveteran.com slash TG. Welcome to Cashflow Veteran. This is John, your host. This is for military members, veterans, spouses, and anybody else affiliated with the military this show is where fighting for your financial freedom is just as important as your political freedom. Let's get to it. What's going on, everyone? This is John Payne with the Cashflow Veteran Podcast. Welcome to another episode. I'm uh, really excited to have uh, a good friend of mine and a former co-worker of mine. Uh, He's still active duty in the Air Force. So I do want to caveat this that uh, in no way is uh, his opinions, they are his own. Uh, in no way are they a reflection of the Air Force or anything like that. So I at least want to start out with that, and, nor are either one of us financial advisors. Um, this is more as a educational content that we're putting out. And just to have a, a general discussion about it and should in no way be taken as uh, advice on, on financial matters or legal matters or any some such nonsense. Anyway, so Nick, man, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. John, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. I
1: definitely have been listening to your stuff and absolutely love it and uh, I can't wait to have the conversation today and, and talk about 401k's and TSP and should we invest and what's going to happen to the market and you know, are we going to have a crash, all those good things. So, uh, I can't wait to to have that conversation here in the next uh, for the next couple of uh, for the next hour or so.
0: Yeah, right on. So, I mean, obviously uh with Cashflow Veteran, it comes from a perspective uh, for military members, veterans, for spouses. So just give me a little bit of your history and background real quick of your military experience so far, where it comes from, and then I'd get into a little bit of how that's informed what you're doing financially, kind of for your own financial freedom and why we're even having this discussion today.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So joined the Air Force. Um, I graduated from Purdue University with an engineering degree and I, I joined the Air Force in, in 2008, like I said, and I and, uh, went into uh, ICBM, so Intercontinental Ballistic Missile Operations. As a missile combat crew commander, it sounds sexy, but um, it was uh, obviously uh, an incredible experience going up north and protecting America uh, using our ICBM force and, and managing that. So I did that for five years up in uh, Great Falls, Montana. And then uh, I went to United States Air Force Weapons School to learn how to be a a better instructor for the Air Force and and to be a better force for the ICBM community. And I did that for six months in 2014. And then went to Vandenberg Air Force Base, where you and I got to teach our newest and brightest uh, military members going into the ICBM career field. And then uh, someone asked me if you want to go over to the test and evaluation group down the street, the 576. I said, heck yeah, let's do it. And then you uh, eventually came along as well. So we got to serve that and got to test our ICBM force and make sure that all the software hardware is actually working. It's an old system. Let's make sure it works. So that was a lot of fun doing that for two years and Got the privilege to be accepted to uh, school as a major, so I went to Los Alamos National Labs and was an Air Force Fellow there. Again, actually, the the first time that I could use my engineering degree since college, <laughs> and uh, and actually talk to people that were engineers and scientists and and get to get to do some uh, computations and. And uh, analysis on our nuclear weapon stockpile, so absolutely a blast. And uh, and and that's to, to also mention. In, in 2013, I, I got a master's in systems engineering from Johns Hopkins, so I was able to use my mechanical engineering degree, my systems engineering degree at the lab. Uh, absolutely a blast. Uh, looking at efficiencies as well. So uh, I can't reiterate. Los Alamos was was an amazing experience, and the people out there are great. And then got uh, got accepted, got another assignment, and uh, I was at the Pentagon, and so at the Joint Staff. So I am currently in Alexandria, Virginia, and uh, I just moved here in July, working on the Joint Staff, and uh, it's been a blast as well. But to get to go into the financial part, it really actually started well before my my college experience, and my family had some financial hardships growing up. And kind of laid the foundation for me to say, okay, I, I want to do something different. I want, I, I know that my family had issues, a lot of it knowledge, a lot of it was not really knowing not having people out there to say, you know what, you should probably go down this route, or I'm in your best interest, I want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success, right now, but also for retirement. And so seeing that from from afar but also experiencing it in in my family I realized I want to do it differently. And I want to help others that are also uh, affiliated with the military to make sure that they're set up. They have the knowledge, they have the tools so that they can go forth whether it's in the military or when they retire or anywhere in between that they at least can they they understand how to to invest. And it's their choice if they want to take that route, if, whether it's financial investing or I want to I invest in my health. Everything is an investment, in my opinion. And, and where that goes, you should at least know and have the tools and knowledge to go out right that way. So I started when I was 14 and getting into stocks. I like that. I wanted to get to know what, what 401ks were. So I start really young and over the next 20 years learning how investments work and learning how the market works and learning macro and microeconomics and understanding you know when we have a crash what does that mean what does that mean long term what is debt all those things and kind of I've arrived recently and I'm like okay I I I've got these tools I've got this knowledge now I want to do something and uh, in an Air Force terms, I want to weaponize it to say, how do we help and how do we how do we tailor to our military folks out there, active duty, reservists, National Guard, civilians, veterans, uh, and more. So, in a nutshell, it was just kind of a self taught process because I don't know how you saw it, John, but when we were both stationed at Malmstrom and 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 Fourth, I really didn't see a lot of tools out there that were provided as mandatory things. Uh, you weren't told, okay, you gotta go to this class and you gotta make sure that you score 100% on 401ks or 100% uh, standard on making sure that your, your uh, Roth TSP is, is properly allocated for an evolving market. And We didn't get those things. It was, there's a TSP for a savings plan, and there's some funds out there, go have fun and, and make sure that you invest in that because that's important for your retirement. And, and you really either are interested in it or you're not interested in it. And I just happen to be like, well, I want to get more into what these funds are and, and beyond. And that's where I've arrived to your podcast today.
0: Yeah, right on. Um, so... What would you describe kind of what you're currently doing as far as um, investing? So you've mentioned TSP, you've mentioned stock trading. So, um, and and we'll certainly dovetail into some of these other conversations here in a sec too, but uh, what is it about, uh, what specific investing experiences are you currently trying? What are you actually actively doing day to day? And then what are you also looking at long-term and as from that, and then we'll dovetail kind of more into the general kind of discussion of some of that stuff too. So
1: Sure. Well, well, I'll start off saying, I, I really took a, a step back and I, I reflected on, on, I self-reflected. And I, I wanted to look at my own personal finance and say, where am I deficient in? And I did this a, a, a little bit while back and I said, okay, well, where do I want to, what's my goal in 20 years? Uh, I have eight years left uh, in the military to where I reached 20 years do, you know, if I extend and I keep going, what does that look like? So I wanted to look kind of goals. I wanted to see what, you know, get an idea with that. And what I, what I looked at first and what I've encouraged all of my people that I've given advice to is you first got to look at where's my current health at. We have a thing in the military called a, a PHA or a physical health assessment you should be doing a financial health assessment. Where do I stand? What's my debt looking like? Can I control my spending? You know, what is my, my budget every month? What does that look like? Am I spending it on things that are not necessary? So really trying to cut down my costs. So I looked at that. And then I looked at, well, in order to do those things, I need to look at a budget. Do I have a robust budget? And there's great tools out there with Pocketsmith and other things that are out in industry that are free um, as long as you don't have a gazillion accounts, looking at, at a good budget program to make sure I can translate the FHA and the deficiencies that I, I had identified there into a budget that will cover down on me and I can, I can improve as I go. And, and at the end of the day, I'm saving money every month. That is an investment. My my paycheck is a, is an investment. So looking at that, and then saying, all right, what am I at with my 401k? I've been contributing into my 401k, but you know, am I doing it the best way? And so really getting into the nuts and bolts of TSP. And about three years ago is where this kind of process was happening, where I really got serious. And I was like, okay, I, I'm looking at TSP and this is what I'm currently doing. So kind of, it's a good dovetail. I know that if I put money and, and you talked about this on, on your last podcast. If I put money in the S&P 500, I'm probably going to get about 9% return. Warren Buffett has said that. If I just put money into a Vanguard account uh, after I die, I've told my wife, I'm going to put 90% of in an in a, in a ETF and 10% in bonds, and you're going to do okay. I said, okay, well, that sounds like you know he's a pretty, pretty uh, big guru. I, I like hearing those things. I'll just do that. So I started to do that where I just started to put money into very risky C fund, which is, uh, reflects S&P 500. Your S fund is re- reflecting your small caps. Your F fund is reflecting your bonds. Your it's pretty much BND ETF in, in Vanguard. And then your I fund, which is reflected off of BEA in, in Vanguard, is very, very close. They are not identical. You cannot trade on the stock market TSP funds. But there are funds out there, I'm a huge advocate for Vanguard. So I wanted to make sure that the TSP funds that I can't trade openly on the market, what do I have out there that mimics that? And, and then start tracking it. So that's where I really got into making sure that I'm maximizing all of my money that I put into to TSP. If I just throw money in, that's great. I will have some money at the end of the day. But actively managing your TSP is is always a very, very important thing. But many, many people that have come to me and said, Nick, I'm a brand new airman in the Air Force. Should I put money right into TSP? And I say, stop. Do not do this. Okay. Um, Keep in mind what the purpose of TSP is. And that is for retirement. You got to make sure that your budget is squared away. You got to make sure that you have your debt. What, where is your debt at and eliminate that debt before you ever start thinking about, Oh, I'm going to start investing in 401ks or I'm going to start buying cars and selling them. I'm going to start buying homes. I'm going to start investing venture uh, capitalists, you know, uh, investing in companies, friends, companies, I've seen this before as well as actually stock trading. So get your debt out of the way first get your school loans out of the way and then let's start really thinking about retirement because those th- that debt's going to pull you down. So I looked at my own debt and made sure that you know I had a, a, an avenue to get rid of that and I'm 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 lucky to say I'm debt free today because that was my mission it was to get that debt out of the way before I start doing stock trading. So currently right now what I'm doing is uh, two big things. One, well three I should say. One PSP is great, but I want to make sure that I use those Vanguard funds and I track the charts with those Vanguard funds. And when I see something that I'm a, so I'm what's called a swing trader uh, or a momentum trader. I am not a day trader. So, um, so trading out there, every, there's different time spans when you trade, There's different styles, of course, within that. But I love reading charts. So I'm a technical trader. So I look at patterns. I look at previous patterns that have happened in the past and how they look now and do I see the same pattern occurring. So uh, Fibonacci sequences, various um, uh, candlesticks that might show that we have a breakout happening. So I use the Vanguard ETFs that help me determine when I need to reallocate my TSP right. because I can't do that easily with with TSP. And there's not there's a couple of websites out there that are great, great forums for TSP. TSP talk is great. You know, you get everybody kind of a communal discussion. There's also paid apps that can tell you allocate now and change this and make sure that's, you know, it's this allocation. The problem is, that you can only allocate twice a month and then your third has to go into G funds. So you got to be, you got to be smart about when I want to change that because, or I want to reallocate because it could, it could, you know, pigeonhole you into a situation where you have to put everything into government bonds, which doesn't make you a lot at the end of the day. And, and uh, so I use charts to determine when I need to change my allocation. Now let's talk about stock trading okay so it has this dirty dirty t- tones to it it's it's you know it's like oh day trading is is a uh, only 90% or 90% of day traders supposedly the s- statistic out there lose money and then you have this very small 10% and then you got hedge funds that are doing very similar things um so i wanted to learn how to stock trade i knew that i couldn't day trade I knew that because I'm active duty, I have a job day to day. I cannot be like, hey boss, I got a I gotta punch and I got to do some, some charts here. One, that violates ethics as a military officer. And two, I have a job that I'm trying to do the best I can. So I, I, I had to make sure, how do I do this right? So that's when I moved to swing trading or momentum trading. So really looking at when stocks or ETFs, when they have been oversold they are they are low in value and there is a good chance that there's going to be some fervor and the stock will go back up so i want to see where those stocks are i want to isolate them and then i want to purchase them on the other side too is called value trading which is what warren buffett does and you mentioned this on your last episode warren Buffett looks at companies that are that are good value and he either buys them or buys a significant amount of that. For the, the average retail investor, that's going to be very hard. You don't have enough capital to do that. Um, but what you can do is really look at a company, drill down, look at the shareholders' meetings or watch the shareholders' meetings or listen to them, look at their spreadsheets and determine what their intrinsic value is So what their true value is based on their market cap and their price, their stock price. And if you can find a deal, just like a house that you want to buy out there, the house is low value. It's in a great neighborhood. There's no reason why this house should be sold at this price. I know that in four years, five years, I can sell that house for twice the price. That's exactly what a value trader does. And it's exactly what Warren Buffett does is looks at values and buys stock cheap, which, which means that he owns a piece of the company. And I actually, I, I didn't put a bet on this, but I really thought he was going to buy Southwest. That was, I saw that in March. I was like, Oh, he's definitely biting at the bit for Southwest because he loves airlines. And then he suddenly didn't buy Southwest and got rid of all of his airline stock. So I was like, well, thank goodness. I didn't do a bet on that uh, at the casinos. Cause <laughs> yes. I really, but that's Johnny in a nutshell. I really look at trading my TSP using, using Vanguard funds. And then I also swing trade and I value trade and the value trading really takes a long time. because so you really got to drill down for hours and you got to keep up with it to verify where that stock should be and where that market cap is. And, um, and that's what I advise people that, that, want my, uh, my expertise in, in this area and why I've started my own investment company, militaryinvestmentgroup.com uh, to actually do these type of things and actively manage your TSP. But also if you really want to get into investing that advanced investing, then um, we've, we've got uh, resources for you to learn how to do that and, and be part of the community.
0: One of my favorite things to do is to read to my kids every single night, and we have a whole bunch of different books that that we read, but I got to say, every other night to every three nights or so, we read a book by Connor Boyack uh, on a series he has called The Tuttle Twins. And honestly... I was a little bit skeptical at first when I saw some of it um, because I was like, how do you take free market principles? How do you take some libertarian ideas and how do you actually distill that down in an enjoyable manner for children to read? And I got to say, he pulled it off. One of the most pivotal books for me to understand the history of banking and currency was The Creature from Jekyll Island. And it I've read a whole bunch of other books, but for the authors to be able to take that idea and give it to the Tuttle Twins to talk about the creature from Jekyll Island and and explain how money works, how inflation works, where bartering and the money that we currently use came from. Sounds like a boring, terrible topic to talk to about kids, but I got to say, my kids love these books. Right now, there's about 11 of them that are for the younger ages, and they have other things for um the family activities to do with games and cards, and they also have some choose-your-own-adventure books that are more for the young adult genre that's out there as well. And i got to say, these books are awesome, and we own every single one of them. Everything from the Tuttle Twins in the Law, where they learn about individual rights, the Miraculous Pencil, you know, why free markets are so important. They talk about the Golden Rule and why it actually works you know, the difference between persuading somebody versus coercing somebody to the way that you're, and they also talk about how a kid can be an entrepreneur and why we act the way that we do and what learning is all about. And these are all topics in each of these books and they are phenomenal. So with that, go ahead and go to cashflowveteran.com slash Tuttle. That is T-U-T-T-L-E cashlowveteran.com/ slash tuttle and get some phenomenal books to start reading to your kids and honestly for a lot of adults out there it's going to be really eye-opening for you too just as it was for me i've read some pretty dense stuff over the years and i gotta say for them to be able to condense these down for children to be able to understand also makes it very simple for even adults to finally kind of grasp some of these concepts that we've only heard tangentially through our education system so with that, go to com slash total. Yeah, I'll definitely jump into that a little bit more here in a sec too. So um, it, it sounds to me a little bit like, at least so uh, most of my, I'll say investing experience has mainly come from, um, uh, I have a fascination with economics. I'll eventually actually go back to school and get my master's in economics. I actually want to do a doctorate at some point, uh, maybe even a dual law degree, depending on, and that, that's much further down the road, I certainly want to delve into entrepreneurship a lot more, get into sales and marketing, some other stuff that I know that I'm kind of really good at and then be to be successful and get that real world experience before I go back and just get, you know, credentialed for other stuff. Um, so, you know, I come at it from kind of a macro economic perspective to begin with, but it does sound to me like uh, anybody that's looking at doing something should take, you know, you have to really become a student and you have like, as you get introduced to it, um, you know, one of the things I fell into and I talked to Dave show on that podcast about was you have that shiny object syndrome. And so when you get into it you kind of start, Oh, I like that a little bit and I'm going to do that. And then you go, Oh, well I like that a little bit. Um, And you really have to, you know, pick one thing and really become a student of that one type of investing before you can really kind of branch out and do a lot of the other stuff. And it's, you know, the difference between uh, in real estate investing, the difference between doing, you know, Uh, Maybe you want to try to buy tax liens or you want to hold notes or you want to uh, flip the piece of paper and be a wholesaler versus actually being a house flipper versus being a buy and hold or a lease option or uh, an apartment investor or an industrial park uh, investor, a mobile home. I mean, there's, there's all these different things that can get chopped up. Um, but even the local real estate markets, uh, depending on what region or state or locality they're in, also you have to become a student of all of that, not only just the method, but you have to become a student of the place. And that certainly sounds quite a bit like what it is even in the investing world, because you know, mm-hmm. even my general forays into this area, it's, you know, you only really get just barely the tip of the iceberg when you really start looking at it and you really do have to become a student overall. Um, Absolutely. So, well, but with that being said, and, and, and my next question is going to be your thoughts on my previous podcast a little bit, but um, for somebody that's really kind of looking to start gaining that financial freedom, I think it's great that you're starting with a point like get your health in order, get your mindset in order, get your debt in order and get it out mm-hmm. of the way and then come from a basis of savings and investing and strength rather than just trying to figure something out because you think it's going to solve your problem. Um, right. To me, the number one investment you could do is increasing your ability to provide value to the marketplace and, and make money for yourself. But that also means you have to have the discipline to live under your means so that you can save and invest for a future uh, type of thing. So all that being said, when somebody really is looking at TSP or somebody is looking at uh, investing, I mean, where, where would they start um, to really start digging into that type of stuff? That's uh, a great question.
1: I, I think um, for, for I, the number one place you need to go is is you need to look at the TSP website. I don't know how many people I've 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 mentioned or I've I've talked to, and I said you know in casual conversation, uh, are you investing in TSP? And I'll get about maybe seventy percent. that will say, yeah, yeah, I am investing in TSP. Yep. I'm like, oh, cool, great, nice. That's, you know, that's, that's good. What are, you, what are you invested in? Oh, maybe, I think it's that G fund. I think it's that G fund. And what I find most of the time is people are all in G fund and they don't want to look at it or they don't want to be bothered by it. Uh, it's overwhelming. The first step, John, and you're absolutely right, is the education piece. You've got to be, you've got to get the education first before you take the risk. So when I was stock trading, when I first started off, I had a practice account. I had $3 million of paper monopoly money mm-hmm. in TD Ameritrade and I learned. And I got onto Warrior Trader, which is a day trading site. Not a, I'm not a day trader. I don't, I don't like that method of trading. It's a very short time trade. You're only trading between around 9.30 and 10.30 in the morning and you're looking at volumes. But some of the patterns that they look at help swing traders. So you, you have to get the education first and you can't be worrying about stock trading when you haven't even looked at your TSP funds yet. So get onto the website, get on TSP and look at the website first. And they have some very broad explanations of the funds. Then go on TSP talks, which is a great, I think it's TSP talk. It's a great website for beginners and they have more analysis on that. And then I would go and say, okay, what are the stocks? What are ETFs out there? And this is on my, my website here is what are the, what are the, the Vanguard stocks that are mimicked um, out there that match up with TSP funds and learn about them, learn about what an S&P 500, what is the S&P 500? What is the Dow Jones it's index funds? Okay. What companies are in that? And, You'll get a better better sense of what the C fund, which is an S and P five hundred fund, what what is in that fund? What's what? How much cost fees? You talked about fees last. Mm. What am I paying for in when I invest in TSP? What do I want a traditional TSP or do I want a Roth TSP? Okay, and that's that's very important because where my taxes come out at, at the end of the day. Do I see the tax advantage now when I put into a traditional TSP, or do I see that when I retire? And I have to agree with you that I don't know in 20 years what our taxes are going to be, but I have this weird sense. I won't bet on it like I did with Warren Buffett, but I bet that taxes are going to increase. You know, I have to assume the worst taxes are going to go up or I'm going to make more at the end of the day and my tax bracket's going to go up. So what is the best thing for my family right now? Do I take a tax advantage at the end of the year on the tax burden, reduce my tax burden with a traditional TSP or do I use Roth TSP and say, I'm gonna take that, that tax hit right now but my tax bracket is low and I made sure it's low that at the end of the day, I'm not gonna get taxed on that money when I pull it for whatever reason I need. So you gotta understand the funds and you gotta understand what TSP choice traditional TSP or Roth. And then you just need to be a creature of, of, of knowledge and, and read and don't look at the headlines. CNBC. I love that site. I love Jim Cramer. I was addicted to Jim Cramer. I can watch Bloomberg all day long. I'm obsessed by watching those shows versus like watching ESPN or anything like that. But those are sensationalized. Like their stocks are sensationalized they're they're just news grabbing things. You need to get into the nuts and bolts. So Wall Street Journal, really understanding the economics, which is important, like you're saying about getting a master's or getting a PhD. If you're getting knowledgeable in the macroeconomics, getting into the nuts and bolts of what drives the market, then that's, that's also important to get a handle on just from a knowledge perspective. And then when you want to get into stock trading itself, you got to practice it. You, you just got to practice it you gotta make mistakes on fake money, not your real money. And you gotta learn that probably wasn't uh, too risky, or I should have used only $2,000 here instead of $500. Or, you know, you, you have to practice with fake money in order to show consistency, to show that you can do this over and over again, and then slowly dovetail into real money and, and then consistently have results. If you're not consistently making profit, then why are you doing that? Same thing as with houses. Why am I buying houses or mobile homes if at the end of the day I'm not making money on it? You gotta make sure that you're you is a investment, hence the term you you are making money or you're investing in something for the future. So that's that's from my perspective on where I would start first is just getting that getting that baseline knowledge at the website
0: itself. Fair enough. But yeah, let's go ahead and dovetail a little bit then into um, your thoughts on my previous podcast. And I I do want to kind of acknowledge my general bias, I think, at this point, where I, I tend to think that if the government says that it's a benefit for you or the government is setting a tax exemption or a tax credit, like whether that's real estate investing, I mean, there's certain things that are built for something. I don't tend to think that it's necessarily for your individual benefit as much as it is for them to incentivize a certain behavior of entrepreneurs or any other people uh, that are looking to increase their financial uh, pie um, in the short term and the long term, but they're also doing it in a way that maybe a free market wouldn't normally actually do that, which leads to Mm. malinvestments, which is why I kind of have a bias against that. Um, And again, I'm not saying that people should not invest. I'm just saying they certainly need to go into it with eyes wide open. And the Austrian School of Economics is really the only one that I have seen that has consistently predicted not necessarily the when, but certainly the how and the why the market will crash um, mm-hmm. on on a number of different um, instances that we've seen in the US, in, in other countries that are out there as well. Um, and, and so, and I'll, I'll hold off this one question because I kind of brought it up. And I was sitting down with a gentleman today that I, I am a coworker with at the place that I work with currently. And we were talking about private organizations and stuff. And I asked him a question. I was able to kind of take something I said in my previous podcast and I was able to kind of condense it a little bit better. But just in general, from, from kind of my acknowledged bias that's there, I mean, what are your thoughts about just my, my trepidation of actually getting into the market? Well, I, I, think,
1: I, I think having fear and having, and questioning is always a healthy thing. You always want to make sure that you don't dive into something quick. and. Um, You know, when I first got into stock trading, I was like, what's driving all this? Like, when is the next crash going to happen? How do I know when the crash? That's the typical question is, how do I know? It feels like the system is rigged. It feels like I have zero control on day to day. Why the market, like why the market today? And if you look at the market, even right now, it went down today. Why did it go down? Um, Why would it more than likely be down on, on Monday? you got a lot of players, a lot of hedge funds, a lot of people that are much more wealthy than you and I getting into the market and manipulates it every day. You know, whether it's buying a whole bunch of stock or they rally up together and they buy a whole bunch of stock in one, one thing, or there's fervor on Tesla. And now it was, it was 218 a couple months ago. Now it's $1,700. Why is that? And what I will say is this racked my brain for, for months and I got frustrated and I didn't understand is the government controlling us? Let's put a whole bunch of stimulus into the, to the economy and let's see the stock market jump. You know, I can't control those things. I can't necessarily control what the government or what these entities do. All I can control is in my own sphere of influence. I can control how much risk I want to put in based on those conditions And I'm always looking at stock charts every single day to give me those indicators that something is, is up or this isn't, this is a weird anomaly. This does not look, this does not look right versus looking on CNBC and, and hearing, Oh, you know, we definitely see a 30% increase by the end of the year. You see all these different, uh, or there's going to be a crash. It's going to be a massive crash at the end of the year. You can't, I can't, I have to block those things out and say, I have to look at the charts and I have to, and I have to trust the risk that I want to put into it. So I guess bottom line is you can't blame what's the, what's the saying? You don't blame the the player, blame the game. It is the game that you play in. You just got to know how to, when do I need to go into that game? And when do I need to back out and you have to have rules in place. And I always You'll talk to any stock trader or anything like that. There are a set of rules that you set and you don't get greedy and you don't get, you don't overstretch yourself because at the end of the day, it is, you're not controlling the game. You're not controlling the market. The market is, is uh, we can only look at historical models to see what's happened in the past. Most of these crashes that we've seen from .com, from the housing market, there's a certain pattern. The pattern that we've seen today is not the same pattern that we saw in those other crashes. We don't see a bull trap, which is when the stocks uh, drop like we saw in March. They bottomed out on the 23rd of March, and then for, the most, for most indices, uh, most sectors, and then we saw a nice nice climb. Uh, we, uh, we, you know, we've seen this right now, this, this big bull run that we've had there's typically almost at 75 to 80% return back at all time highs and then it crashes again and we haven't seen that yet so that's a pattern that we've seen historically that we don't see now so again the market is 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 controlled by by things that you don't you you don't know or understand or get um get exposed to as retail investors as as military members you're not in that world, so it's not controllable. Um, you just have to be mindful of the of the charts and and read them every day. And that's I don't know if that answered what you're what you're looking at, but that's that's how I look at it. I can't get frustrated with with predictions.
0: No, and and I I think you're bringing up a really good point where uh, you know I, I'm not necessarily saying and it's 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 one of the things that I've had. As, I, as I've kind of swallowed, I guess, the libertarian pill a little bit, and I've been kind of researching things on on my own and coming to certain conclusions, that the the system is kind of rigged. And the question that I have is, there's certain things I can't control, and I try to acknowledge those. But then I turn around, and part of the reason why I'm building Cashflow Veteran and coming at it from a perspective of, how can I individually um, and with other like-minded people secede from the system and, and do it without... Um, government money, let's say, and Mm. how can, but what's the thing that I can specifically do um, to improve my overall life and to promote liberty and to live within a context of liberty that I can at at the end of the day that I can live with. Um, And that's part of the reason why I got out of the military. And I certainly, you know, my journey is not everyone else's journey, because obviously my wife is still active duty. And my conclusions aren't her conclusions. And we're, we're, you know, figuring that out kind of as we go along, even though mine led me out of the military for all intents and purposes. So, um, you know, I come at it from how, how do I take what I can control and and do something about it. And there's a, a school of thought within libertarianism called uh, agorism or agorism um, that is much, very much down the path of like cryptocurrency, because it's, it's about counter economics. How do you uh, take away the state's power to manipulate currency by the individual actions that you can take um, and the communities that you can kind of build from that um, of, of other like-minded individuals. So again, like cryptocurrency and some of those things are are certainly uh, attempts to be able to do some of those things. At the end of the day, though, I don't know how much that will actually take you know power away from the state or specifically power away from the Federal Reserve to be able to print the money the way that it does. Um, and cause inflation and, and a lot of other malinvestments in the economy. But I, I think it's going to have to kind of collapse under its own weight eventually. But- well, the gold standard, uh, you mentioned about the gold standard. We're, we're not on the gold standard and that,
1: that, that is a concern. I wouldn't say it causes me nightmares at, at night. I'm not, I'm not to that level, but it, I do see a cliff. I do see it. Yeah. I do see our debt just radically out of control and printing money at a furbish rate, stimulus like we've never seen before. I mean, have you ever seen where a check was in your hand or have you seen money from the government going straight at, like, where are we? Like, the, And it definitely, it, it is concerning on so many levels and why my finger is always on the trigger to sell whatever I have very, very quickly. And I have mechanisms in place because you never know that moment where things will crash yep. and it could happen very quickly. It did not actually happen as quickly in February as people thought you, I actually saw the warning. We, if you're looking at the charts, you can see the warning signs about a week out, but that doesn't mean that that's going to happen in the future. And when it, if it does happen, I hope it doesn't in the future crash, but with not being on the gold standard and you, it's all credit based. I, it does concern me. I am, I am nervous about where we're at, and that that's going to reverberate through housing markets. If you're into that, it's going to reverberate on just how much money it's worth at the end of the day uh, in your pocket, and and what your retirement's going to look like. Uh, if you think that investing in the U.S. long term is is going to be the way it has been in the past, you really need to be more pessimistic about it. You have to be ready. And I give an example, like if, you know, there was in Europe, in Ireland, there are people that have invested a lot of money in 401ks and the Euro has not been as, not as good as the U S dollar in that same timeframe. So people lost a lot of their savings that, that could happen here. That could Mm -hmm. reverse in Europe or China becomes You know, incredibly, and you know, especially China can be a very strong influencer. Their their currency could could outweigh ours, and and so that's 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 what concerns me, John. Is you know, there's always that I see a, a proverbial cliff based on our behaviors as a government, and also if you talk to people, their own spending habits are concerning about how much they've overstretched themselves. as a society. So, yeah.
0: I mean, I, I try not to take away people's agency because at the end of the day, you know, individuals are absolutely responsible for their own actions. But at the same time, I still acknowledge the reality of financial incentives or other behavioral incentives to go into debt or to buy a credit card when it's easier than ever. And that's kind of why I, you know, I talk about TSP, even the matching or the VA loan or, or those things Mm -hmm. potentially being moral hazards because of the malinvestment that they do. They do throw off what a free market normally would have because it's technically not a free market at that point if, if the government is coming in and guaranteeing funds for those types of things. Um, right. I, I will come back to the some other thoughts you might have on the podcast, but the one point that I did want to make is, is, is this question. So at what point is a company no longer a private organization from a functional distinction? So not the legal distinction. And what I mean by that is just how much it gets funding uh, through its contracts mm-hmm. from taxpayer money that obviously is not voluntary. And that's one of the things from a libertarian perspective I push all the time. Like, let's do an experiment on even just a local level. Let's make these taxes because you think they're necessary, make them voluntary and see how many people can actually see some of those things, but then also allow private companies to compete for some of those services and see which one actually works better. And don't mm-hmm. punish the private companies for doing that. And let's, you can start it on small scale and move up from there. And that's, you know, as far as taking action, you got to work within the system that you're in sometimes to really succeed. Um, the other part of that, so it talks about, you know, tax funding through the government contract process. Uh, and now we see with a lot of the stimulus that just happened, which I'm highly critical of is now you actually have the government owning and buying yes. out corporate bonds, which yes. is a backdoor into a government owning a private company, which is, I mean, for lack of a better term, that, I mean, that's an understatement to call it problematic, right? But then you also have the tax incentives for companies that wouldn't have investors otherwise, meaning, you know, your 401ks your IRAs and those types of things. Like I I don't knock somebody for saying, Hey, my company or TSP is, or the government is offering to match my 5% contribution. I mean, you know, you'd be foolish not to take it. You'd be foolish not to take the money and stimulus that they're going to give you to try to secede from the system. If you have to pay down debt, I mean, you'd be a fool right. not, not to use it to your advantage, but you know, Again, but but at what point? Knowing all that, I mean, at what point does a company no longer really functionally become that? And I look at my best example is Boeing. I mean, there was one point where Boeing absolutely should have gone under. I believe it was in the nineties, eighty nine, yeah, eighty nine dollars. I think it was right, right. That, yeah, you're right. I I thought they would get bailed out at that moment. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, and I, well, I just look at it because they instead of like in the early the late eighties or the the early nineties. Um, Boeing, I think, and I, I'm going to have to go back and I'll fact check this and put it in, but, um, I know I've heard it on multiple occasions from Mises university, the Mises Institute, a bunch of other places too, but they specifically were the DOD, uh, the air force did not buy Boeing planes instead in order to keep it alive, made leases on planes. They did not need in a time mm-hmm. when the military was downsizing in order to keep Boeing alive. And, and to be at least one of the main producers of aircraft and other uh, machinery and stuff like that. And I just go, that that's a, a level of corp- corporate welfare at that point that I just, y- you got to look at it and go, well, if it can't survive a free market, then what are we doing with it? Right. Well, you know, and and I have to look at, from a military
1: perspective, there's a $740 billion plus or minus change that... that that's the, government, that's the military budget for this year, the DOD budget. That's an enormous amount of money. How much of that money is going to companies, contracts? Yeah. Where are these contracts at? As a military member, you owe me the right to tell me where that money is going because that money could be used to save lives on the battlefield. And I, and, and I, I would say, if you're really interested in seeing where the money is going, look at their their fundamentals look at their yeah. their reports look at their their financials and you will see an astonishing yeah. amount of money that that uh, if you really really break it down you're absolutely right a lot of this money is coming from the government in one way shape or form to keep these contracts that sometimes never come to fruition or they're Especially in, as you know, in ICBMs, like it, it takes a really long time for a product to come online. And yep. how much money did we spend on that? Um, I love, I want to make sure that people on the battlefield are protected, but I also have this moral responsibility that people are starving in the US. There are kids that are starving. We've got other issues that we also need to tackle. How do we tackle those problems and still keep our military strong? But then also we got to make sure that these companies that are big names in the U.S. alive as well. Um, there's this, this tug of war going on right now. And, um, and that's, that's from a, from a corporate greed perspective, you're right. I, it's becoming more like China because China does that model where they buy, they buy substantial parts of a company, Badu or Alibaba or Tencent or, um, JD, like they have their fingers in these companies and we say, well, that's only China does that. Like, well, actually we are guilty of that as well, but we, we coin it differently and do things differently with it. Just, you know, we, we mask it differently. So I, I think you're onto something that you're definitely right when it comes I think, to I,
0: I think it's certainly a road. I mean, it's just one more thing one more feather in the cap of eroding our currency and stuff. And that's yeah. part of the problem that I kind of have with it. And, in you know, certainly people could make the argument. And I think it's for, you know, to have that conversation at another point in time on whether, you know, we need all the military force around the world. And I mean, that's a totally different conversation to be had. Um, sure. and I certainly have, I, you know, I've changed my mind on a lot of that stuff. I'm much more anti-war probably than I used to be. I think even the USDA that, um, you know, we, basically make people around the world convert to cash crops. And then in order to have regime change and have a popular uprising, we then cut off any supply, do an embargo and everything else and punish them financially, which hurts, you know, children and women and innocent people in their country, hoping that somehow, you know, the, wow. the government, we are just giving money to, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, now that we're opposing, now we're punishing their citizens and thinking that somehow when we go in, they're going to love us as liberators mm-hmm. when, you know, the actions we've taken have gone, you know, have somewhat been a large contributing factor to say the least. I won't necessarily say that it's been the total cause. I, I I would take each individual circumstance and really take a look at it from a mm-hmm. international relations perspective. But, you know, it's just, that's kind of one of those frustrating things. Pharmaceuticals are the same thing. FDA, yeah. pharmaceuticals. Yeah. And that, I
1: mean, we're talking about this vaccine. Like, don't tell me that this isn't driven by by pharmaceuticals. So, and that's a whole another animal. When you're talking about food, and you're talking about uh, and an investment, let's let's talk about that too. Is investing in your health? We 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 tend to forget that the food on the table is the best medicine you can have. You know, and however, we we want to just push pills and pharmaceuticals because that's that's what makes money. And this food over here is not sexy. So we don't we don't want to push making people healthy by the food that they eat versus the pills that they take. So I think there's so many different examples of this, John, you're 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 spot on. But, But but back to like talking about the companies. At the end of the day, philosophically, I agree, like we can't, this is wrong. But at the end of the day, if that company is making money from a stock perspective, I'm going to take advantage of that stock. Um, And I think I've had people in the past say, well, I will not buy any Philip Morris. I don't believe in tobacco. Okay, got it. I don't necessarily look at the company. I look at the stock. I look when I'm doing charts and I say, well, Raytheon's making money or it's, it's, Let's undervalued or Boeing's undervalued at $89, $88. I'm going to buy it because I know it's going to hit 170 in the next three months. Oh, you have to keep those kind of what the company is and what the stock is or, and if you want, and if there's an ethical line there, you're like, I just don't buy any companies that do this. Then, uh, then make that a rule for you and, and move on. Uh, and I, and I say that a lot to people that, that are like, well, oh, I don't wanna do marijuana stocks. Okay, that's fine. I understand that. Um, but make sure that you're consistent with that and, and, and stay with those ethics.
0: Yeah, for sure, no, I, I totally get that. Well, I'm gonna move into the Burst Fire series. So answer these it's three questions, just answer them as quick as possible and this will kind of okay. round out our discussion here. So what's been the toughest thing about being uh, an investor in the way that you've been investing? Discipline, maintain discipline <laughs> and not getting greedy. So how did you, and this is kind of a follow-on question to that, so what, you know, real quick, what specifically has allowed you to become more disciplined in doing that? Is there a particular technique or anything? Um, I have a set amount of cash that
1: I that I invest in or I stock trade, and I have rules that are in place that make sure that I don't overextend that amount of cash or I don't go back to the piggy bank and pull more like you would. I make sure that it's a a job, it's a It's a, I wouldn't say it's a career, but it's a, a job. It's not gambling. As soon as you start crossing over into the gambling, you've, you've lost investing and now you're gambling, you're speculating. You need to be methodical and you need to keep, you know, keep emotion out of trading. If you're an emotional trader, you're a bad trader. You've got to be, you got to hit the rules and make sure they follow that. And if they don't, then you walk away and, and, So being disciplined enough to walk away from deals that that may look good,
0: but don't follow the rules. You need to walk away. Yeah, right on. All right. So the next question. So what resources helped you the most with uh, investing and just in general, financial freedom and and moving towards that goal? I read a lot of books, um, watched a
1: lot of YouTube videos. Crazy enough. I (laughs) watched the young investors podcast which is another podcast out there from some guys in Australia, which are awesome dudes. They love this stuff. They love value trading. So I really got into just your retail investors out there and then doing my own research. I'll plug another thing, which is chartingwealth.com that got me into looking at charts and, and reading them and having good rules and discipline while you're trading. So I, I use that was my biggest thing was was chartingwealth.com it's a free site it's a free youtube channel every day that you get and there's analysis there and it's short 15 minutes and it's a great starter to get into more advanced trading and then warrior trader which is a day trading site there is educational services there they are you you do have to pay but if you're serious about day trading if you're serious about swing trading and you want to get some education day trading it has some good methods that translate to swing trading. So get out there and look at different sites that that are free first. And then if you are more
0: serious, pay pay for the education. But I, I've done, I've done that. That's awesome. I was trying to look up one thing. I think it's called the Billionaire Investor's Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a couple of guys from, yeah, We Study Billionaires, uh, the Investor's Podcast. Yeah, it's it's a pretty good one. That's probably where I learned Probably the majority of at least what I know about it, I haven't even delved into it. I know uh, stock investing. Eventually, will be something I certainly get into as soon as I can get some of the other stuff, sure. you know, figured out and squared away, kind of in our life. Because Jackie and I certainly lived well beyond our means in our twenties <laughs> for sure, and you got to pay for that in your thirties. <laughs> so, <30s, but. laughs> sometimes
1: we, we did, yeah, we did too. And, and there's a lot of real estate out there. I will say there's a lot of yeah. podcasts on real estate, and I'm a huge believer in real estate. I right have done real estate myself and it's, and it was, it was positive. It was a good experience. I like stock training because it's something that I can do on my couch. I can do it on my own time and it, it, it worked for me, but you need to know how to read charts and these sites as well as uh coming to me and, and uh, coming on to the military investment group. We can, we have all of those resources
0: um, that will be pulled into one spot so you can be the best investor you can be. That's awesome. Um, I'll certainly be reaching out to you for some of that probably too. So, um, awesome. so last question here is what do you think holds military members, spouses, dependents and veterans back from getting started um, in their financial endeavor? Debt. Specifically stocks. <laughs> Debt.
1: <laughs> Debt. I'm going to be honest <laughs> yeah. with you. It's, it's, it really boils down to what you budgeting and getting rid of the debt that you either incurred when you're in college, or you decided to buy cars and guns and, and different things. And you, you rack up this debt and you can't control your spending. I mean, those are really a lot of the, a lot of the one-on-ones I have with people and say, I want to start stock trading. I'm like, wait a second. How much money do you put away every month? You, You okay, yeah, you, you probably need to back off from that and you need to look, relook yeah. at your stuff. So debt and then budgeting, those two things you need to do before you start investing in real estate and other things.
0: Well, one of the things that, you know, I thought about um, as far as like what holds people back is, uh, is specifically what you just said, but then going beyond that, I think one of the things that kind of crystallized it for me was not that I was coming at it from a perspective of, hey, I know all of this stuff. It was more from the perspective of, hey, this is what I didn't know, and here's mm-hmm. what I'm moving towards. And that's kind of what flow Veteran from an educational standpoint was. But you remember when we were uh, at the schoolhouse in Vandenberg, you know, I was I, I did a financial food for thought briefing for some of the guys just because I went, look, these are all the lessons, you know, I screwed up on in my early 20s and late 20s. And now that I'm here giving something back to you, making you guys hopefully you know, better officers, better, Mm -hmm. uh, missileers, but I also want you to be better people, better investors. And I want to spread this knowledge. So, you know, should you buy a house or should you rent? Let's talk about that question. Let's, you know, with the new retirement system that was coming on, the blended stuff, what, what, how should you think about that? Here's just some numbers that I've plugged in and here's some thoughts on, on what I have about it. You know, you need to make your own decision, but that was also one of the other things I said, you need to get rid of your debt. You need to Mm -hmm. live like no one else today so that you can live like no one else tomorrow. You know, no matter yeah. what, you have to create margin in your life if you're ever going to think about retirement in the future. You have to live below your means. There's no shortcut around it. Period.
1: And and I think there's this mindset problem too. If you want, really you mm-hmm. want to get deeper into it from a debrief perspective and get real deep into this, <laughs> it's a mindset thinking that you're in the military and you're not going to be wealthy. That is BS. That is yeah. absolutely BS because you can be wealthy. I've done calculations on this that an officer that retires at lieutenant colonel throughout their time in the military, they're going to make about $1.1 million that they could have had in their pocket when they retired from the military. That's not even starting their yeah. second career. As an enlisted member, about half a million dollars. If you were saving a little bit, putting it into, you know whether it's TSP, reducing your debt, all those things that's, I think people don't think that you're going
0: to be wealthy. And, and, and that's, that's a, that's a mindset problem. And And to me, kind of, once you, once you get some of those rules set up and do that, I mean, you get to, not only do you get to kind of push some of that and kind of pay yourself today to get there, which I totally support. And, you know, nothing that I have necessarily means you need to do certain things in a particular order, I mean, everyone's life is different, or whatever the case might be. But once you can get to a point where you've created that margin and you've set some of those money rules, and you're putting money away for long-term retirement-style investing, that means now you get to, you know, go learn how to be a better salesperson, start a company. You know, I certainly think tax advantages right. to starting a company, owning real estate, like those are certain things I absolutely push. But then you got to decide how you're going to build it. Um, and that's kind of the exciting part is once you have created that margin, as, as you do something on the side that you can be more active in. You know, hopefully eventually you can have that replace your overall income and then maybe one day you can be able to take a lot more uh, vacations and stuff on the beach while your business runs itself because you've put in all the systems in place in order to do so. Yeah.
1: And military members should do that. They should be thinking right now. I I have eight years left. I start my company this year because I'm not thinking about starting a company when I'm 60. I'm thinking about starting a company, having a company in place and and starting to gain momentum so that when I do retire, I can transition and I have a company in place on day one where I don't feel like I have to go to Boeing. I don't feel like I have to go to Raytheon to work as a contractor. I work for myself. I call the shots and I'm doing something good for people of my own community. And I want to help military members become the most powerful investors that they can be. And I want to do it on my own terms as my own as my own uh, president, founder, however you want to look at it. So, yeah, you, that's you need to be thinking about retiring and what your
0: job's going to be. And, well, I think uh, there's a bit of an advantage too to being, you know, if you're trying something on the side, you know, you have to build it in a manner of building systems because you cannot build it by yourself. You don't have the time to be everything for everybody. It almost forces you to build all those systems and to hire out appropriately in order to do that, which is actually a huge advantage when you get out because now you're not stepping into a role that is you really, you know, you can really devote your time to what really makes the money. And those are those strategic decisions that you're, you're in to build that company and you can hire out everything else and make it a much more profitable company from day one. And it only takes, even in that everything that I have read from other, whether that's multi-level marketing, whether that's, you know, real estate investing, whether that's, you know, if you're delving into apartments or whatever, or building an internet business, you know, two to five years is really mm-hmm. all it takes to build something that is sustainable, that can replace your income, but it's going to take effort. It's going to take up a lot of your time and you got to make some sacrifices. But again, it's going to help you build that margin in your life.
1: Yeah. And, and and military people would say, military members, service members would say, oh, I don't have the time to do that. And I'd say, well, what do you do when you get home? Like, don't have building your company interfere with your military career because that's an ethics violation. You don't want that. Right. So like when I work, I am 120% into my work at work. When I get home, for me, watching TV doesn't give me anything anymore. Yeah. Playing video games when I was 20, love doing that. I don't do that anymore because I get fulfillment in building my company. Right. And I get fulfillment in learning how to do a Wix website. Like
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. you got learning how to do these things instead of when I retire, trying to figure out what to do with my life. And now I have to do all this stuff. Let me, let me, let me take chips at it. Let me, let me nibble at this big monster so that when I am at the end and I get out and the air force doesn't want me anymore and they spit me out and they say, oh, you're good. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. And I've got everything built and I've been, I've been operating for years. And, yeah. um, so that's, you should always be thinking about the
0: future uh, yeah, and
1: what sure. you're going to be doing. So
0: that's investing, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, with that, man, there, there's honestly so much that we could delve into and I certainly want to have you back on at some point in time. And I, yeah, if there's a way that I can, you know, network cash flow veteran in anybody else that's kind of coming into this sphere and, and and what I see how it builds, I think, you know, there there could be a pretty strategic partnership there with kind of what you're putting together too, sure. um, you know. So I, I just think that's awesome. So uh, final question that I got for you is: where can people find more about you specifically and in, in the business that you got going? So the easiest thing to do is is email me. Uh, my email is
1: pretty easy to remember. It's military investor or military investment group at gmail.com. My website is about to be launched. Uh, I'm doing some work. I'm doing some final uh, legal reviews from an Air Force member. It's not as easy as a, somebody that's in the civilian world to, to do a yep. website. It's got to be legally reviewed to make yep. sure that I don't hurt the government or anything like that. So it's under legal reviews right now. Um, but easiest thing to do is just email me at militaryinvestmentgroup at gmail dot com, and and we can go from there and, and see what you're interested in and 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 move uh, talk about your financial health assessment all the way to actual stock trading. So we'll we can do the whole gambit and
0: anywhere in between. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, man, for coming on. Thanks, I really John. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. For sure, I can't wait to have you on again, and I'm sure we can we can pick some more juicy topics that we can get into as well that we certainly might disagree on. But I hope that uh, people are just going to learn from it, and obviously have a good, respectful conversation over whatever it is, and hopefully get people moving forward in their life. And that's at the end of the day what I, what I really want. Even if it's a difference in perspective, at least people are, are thinking, they're moving, they're getting out of their out of their funk, out of their groove, and, and moving into something that's propelling them forward.
1: I agree. Yeah, I love what you're doing. I love the
0: podcast. Thanks for having me on. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Take care. Cool. See you, John. Sales and marketing is one of the most important things for you owning or starting a business. In fact, when you're starting a business, you wear every single hat. And the thing is, is we actually sell, influence, and market things every day by the types of shirts we wear, the shoes we wear, the watches we wear, the cars we drive. I mean, you name it, we are constantly advertising for someone else. Now, rather than just taking a whole bunch of different personality tests that are out there, some are obviously more scientifically valid than others, one of the best things that I did for myself was taking Perry Marshall's DNA marketing test answer the question should I be writing advertising shop copy should I be trying to do face-to-face sales should I try to do webinars should I try to produce more video content doing audio content should I try to get into negotiations should I take the time to be a website designer and one of the crazy things that I found was I should be talking to people I should be getting face to face and I should be doing copy and that's why I do my email list every single day so that I can practice something that I'm already ready to do and the fact is, I figured that out as soon as I took this test I thought about all my pr- previous experience it's why I enjoyed doing instructing within the air force for so long it's why I enjoyed uh, my political science major in writing persuasive papers and actually why I actually enjoy getting in front of other people and discussing ideas and having very healthy debate with people about it it's why I enjoy doing that and honestly when I took this test my score is 7947 7, and you know, that means nothing to you. I just know specifically what I'm supposed to be focusing on as a sales and marketer has actually made it much more enjoyable as I've started building my business. So with that, go to cashflowveteran.com marketingdna marketing DNA. Take your DNA test today so you know exactly where to start and don't focus on the things that you're not good at. Focus only on the things that you're good at to get your entrepreneurship message out there. That's the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I, I really would appreciate your support through any of the advertising the affiliate links I share, or you can go to cashflowveteran.com slash support and click on the $5 tip jar uh, and send a cup of coffee my way. Also, I'd love to hear from you, and you can easily do that by downloading the Anchor.fm app and leave me a voice message with a comment or a question or a topic that you'd like me to cover, and I'll see what I can do. With that... Take it easy.